pray with me? Lord, we, uh, we ask you again to speak to our hearts, to uh, reveal to us what, whatever it is we need to do uh, with courage and, uh, and with strength. Help us to obey you. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's give Wayne and the, the praise team a hand for a, a good job. What do you need to be mindful of this evening? Some of, it, some of us may be our checkbooks, correct? That's a good thing to be mindful of is your finances. Uh, some of us need to be aware of what the scales say occasionally too. Would you agree with that? Be mindful of that. None of you, but me, I will say that. Uh, parents, uh, Friday, Saturday nights, you, you need to be aware of where your kids are, don't you? Your young people are. There are a lot of things in life that we need to be mindful of, to be aware of. And, and tonight in Third John, we're going to look at some things as we close out this little five-week study in the books of Second and Third John. We're going to look at some things that we need to be mindful of to do life well and to do life as God would have us to do it. Again, Third John, it's uh, obviously pretty easy. There's only one chapter. We're going to look at verses 11 through 14 this evening. Remember, we believe that Third John was written by John the Apostle, Peter, James, and John, one of Jesus' closest associates. And it was probably written toward the end of the first century. It was an old letter, or as far as it's, it's old, uh, uh, obviously it's an old letter. It's almost 2,000 years old. But it, it is written uh, late in the first century, around 80, 85 to, to 90. John was probably in Ephesus, writing to the church down in Pergamum. And here is what I want us to see that God expresses through him tonight. Number one, imitate follow slash follow the right people. Imitate and follow the right examples. In verse 11, dear friends, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. The word imitate there means to mimic or to use as an example. And when we think of mimicking someone, we think of making fun of them. You know, you're mimicking them, you're you're making fun of them. But that's not the original at least the Greek concept of the word. It's, it's to follow someone as an example. Maybe as you get a little older, we stop doing this to some degree, but we are imitators by nature, aren't we? When I was a little boy, I wanted to shave and mow the yard. Why do you think that is? It wasn't because my mother was the bearded woman and I wanted to be like her. It was because my dad, who was my hero as a little one, he shaved and he mowed the yard. And he said, son, you will rue the day when you have to shave every day and when you have to cut the grass all the time. And he was true. That's why you have children is to cut the grass. Amen? That's, uh, that's part of the purpose of, of young people, of the youth group, is to, to do things like that. But we understand that. We, we do imitate and follow examples, and there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, many of us tonight who are older need to find some right examples to imitate. It just helps you do life better. Here he says, do not imitate those who are evil. The word evil here means what's wicked or malicious. And it's, uh, the, the tense here is, is to stop and act in progress. In other words, he's telling them, some of you have got your eyes on people. He would be telling this to us. 
who you don't need to have your eyes on. They may seem cool. They have the power around town or at the school. They're flashy, whatever, whatever. But you do not need to imitate them. There's something not right about the way they do life. Certainly, our anti-hero last week was a guy named, anybody remember his name? It's a great sermon, obviously. Diotrephes. How do you forget that name, Diotrephes? He was verse 9 and 10. He was a gossip. The Bible said he loved to be first. He was controlling and he was mean. I believe with all my heart that John and God had diatrophies in, in thought here to say, don't be like him. Don't be like this guy. Imitate, in other words, not evil, but good. Don't imitate what is evil, but what is good. The word good here means what's benevolent. That's important. Benevolent or generous, that which blesses. It literally is the opposite of sin. Imitate what's righteous and godly. Pick your role models well, is what God's saying. Just because someone has money, power, prestige, or they're the coolest person at school, the coolest person at work, doesn't mean that that's someone that you should pattern yourself after. What, is, what does he say as role models? Pick someone who's loving, who's kind. By the way, it's impossible, to be, it's impossible to be loving and not be kind. Hospitable, generous, pure, humble. 1 Corinthians 3, Paul says in one spot, Imitate me as I follow Christ. There are people we should look to and learn from. In Ephesians 5, 1, if you're taking notes, it says, Be imitators of God as dearly loved children. Obviously, God is our clearest example. But we have people right here in front of us who set examples for us too. I remember hearing years ago someone says, The greatest way you compliment someone is to imitate them. You comb your hair like them, you color your hair like them, you get a toupee like whatever it is. <laughs> if you imitate someone, that's the greatest form of compliments. I want to challenge you what God's saying here tonight. Be careful who you're complimenting in this way. Imitate the right people. Because sooner or later you start becoming like what you imitate. Okay? Number two, to be mindful of, uh, and this is a great thing, consistent behavior shows the heart. Consistent behavior reveals what's going on inside of a person. In verse 11, don't imitate what is evil but what is good. Listen to what he says. Anyone who does good, read that with me, is from who? God. Read that last part. Anyone who does what is evil... Wow, that's powerful, isn't it? Now, obviously, he's talking about consistent behavior here. When he uses the phrase to do good, it's that same phrase, to do what's benevolent, to to live a lifestyle that blesses and benefits other people. And, And a person, listen, a person whose lifestyle is consistently, not perfectly, but consistently good, the Bible says that reveals a right heart. That's someone who knows God. Now, the, the flip side of that, he says, do not, anyone who does evil has not seen God. Remember that word evil, malicious, or wicked? Anyone whose behavior is consistently wicked, malicious, ungodly, obviously is not a Christian. I, I, I think he's going back again to verse 9 and 10. Diotrephes. A church leader who loved to be first, who gossiped to me, he was mean, he was a slanderer. 
but I think from what he's saying here, you'd have to wonder whether Diotrephes was truly a Christian. We're going to see a guy in a moment, Demetrius, who, who obviously was a, a good person. A lot of times we say, well, that person's in heaven because they were good. No, no, no. You're, you're in heaven because you know Jesus, but if you know Jesus consistently, your life is going to be good, correct? That's what he's saying here. The false teachers of this era, they claimed knowledge they claimed to know God, but listen, they were godless and they were loveless. Don't be like that. That showed something was wrong. Also, in this time, there was a group of false teachers, and we've talked about this, that were embracing Gnosticism. Gnosticism was, uh, that, that comes from the Greek word knowledge. And part of it said that your soul is good and your body is bad, and it doesn't matter what you do with your body. They were libertines. They were do what feels good. Obviously, that was clearly bad and immoral and wrong. It was not of God. Here's the, here is the, the, the neat thing here. It seems like a contrast in, in a conflict, but it's not. This isn't going to be on the screen. You can write this down. Matthew 7, 1 through 3. Famous passage, judge not, lest you be judged. Don't look at the speck in someone else's eye when you have a gigantic tree hanging out of your ear. That's a modern paraphrase. <laughs> But judge yourself. Take care of your own business. But in Matthew 7, 20, just 17 verses further on, look at Matthew 7, 20. Thus, by their fruits, you will recognize them. Now, that doesn't mean we go around judging other people. But what he's saying here, in fact, he's telling us, don't, you don't judge people. You don't look at people's hearts. But when you consistently see fruitish behavior, you see consistent things in people's life. It shows you what's going on in their heart. So when we think about that, think about people you know. Maybe that's your role model. What does their behavior consistently show you? But let's, let's make it back where we need to. What, what about you and me? What does our consistent behavior show about us? I love what Rick Warren said. Rick Warren, the California pastor, purpose-driven purpose life fame. I think he was talking to church people. He said, when a person is consistently not loving or not kind or not gentle, they either don't know God or they don't know him very well. Behavior. Certainly if a person's consistently immoral, unethical, vulgar, they either don't know God or they don't know Him very well. Behavior, consistent behavior shows what's going on in their heart and our heart. Jesus also said in Matthew 12 that by your words, your words reveal what? Your heart. So does your behavior. Years ago, someone wrote a note for me. They said, as a preacher, you need to hear this. And I thought this was so good for every Christian. It says, what you are can, C-A-N, shout so loud, no one will hear what you say. It's pretty good, isn't it? What we do consistently shows who we are. Psychologists have said for years, the best predictor of future behavior is past behavior. You want to know how someone's going to act in the future? You can look at how they've acted in the past. I would say this, a true indicator of, of heart condition is present and consistent behavior. 
how I live, how I do life, how you live and how you do life. Listen, here's the thing for many of us as we pray for family members and friends. You're making excuses for people whose life shouts they don't know Jesus. And we say, well, they were baptized. They joined the church. They're a nice person. That's not going to get you to heaven. And if the inconsistency of a life shows they don't know God, that should concern and motivate you to help them come to Christ. Number two, our behavior, be mindful of it because it shows what's going on in others and in our hearts. Number three, number three, how well are you spoken of? How well do people, how do people speak about you? How well are you spoken of? In verse 12, Demetrius is well spoken of by everyone, even by the truth itself. We also speak well of him. And you may, you know that our testimony is true. The Jewish people in the Old Testament, and this is validified again in the New Testament, believed that you needed several witnesses to make a concrete case. In Deuteronomy 19.15, it says one witness is not enough to convict a man accused of a crime or an offense. A matter must be, a matter must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. Now that would be in a good way too, as well as a criminal way, that you needed you needed several people to verify something. Demetrius is verified by several different groups of people here. Who is this Demetrius? We don't really know. There's one found in Acts chapter 19, but we don't believe that this is the same guy. That guy was an evil silversmith, if you remember him. There's another guy of a similar name mentioned, I believe, in Philippians. But we believe this is probably the guy that brought John's letter down to Gaius. And it says he is well spoken of. That phrase means that the witness... The, the testimony was given about this guy, and it was good. Listen to who, who speaks well of him. John says other people speak well of him. John says I speak well of him. And John says, interestingly enough, the truth itself speaks interest, uh, well of him. What is truth? Well, we've looked at that the last few weeks. Truth here is defined as the reality. It, we know this is the reality of God and God and his word. What a great testimony about this man named Demetrius. The Bible says other people spoke well of him, that that John the great apostle spoke well of him, and that even when matched up against the Bible and the, the testimony of the Holy Spirit, this guy's life holds up. That's pretty good stuff, isn't it? How do people speak about you and me? Now, I want to give you a, a, a good thing to make you comfortable. Luke six twenty six. Woe to you when all men speak well of you, for that is how their fathers treated the false prophets. Now, is there a contradiction here that says all people spoke well of Demetrius? I don't think Diotrephes spoke well of Demetrius. When he says everyone, I think he's talking about of their group. A lot of people did not speak well of Jesus Christ if you have ever read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Have you ever read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? If you would have gone to the Jewish leaders of that day, they hated Jesus. They weren't going to speak well of him. In fact, if you're doing life like you should, there are going to be people who aren't going to like you. Doesn't that hurt? 
Let's be honest tonight. How many of you grew up thinking if you just were nice and kind, everybody was going to like you? And boy, did you not get a shock (laughs) at some point. A person that's liked by everybody is probably running for office. I don't mean that in an ugly way. That's realistic. I mean, I'm trying to get you to vote for me, so I need you to like me. Once they get in office, that can go downhill quickly, can't it? Uh, but because they have to make decisions. When you make decisions, people aren't going to like you. So don't, don't think that this is saying everybody in your world needs to say you're wonderful because if you're halfway a leader and you're a committed Christian, there are going to be people who are not going to like you. Say amen. That's okay. If you're a jerk, a whole lot of people aren't going to like you. Being a jerk is not good either. What's the balance? Here's the balance. When you are mindful of your behavior and you live a consistent life, the right people are going to speak well of you. That's who you need speaking well of you, the right people. You need other people who love Jesus, people who know you, people who've seen you in and out, who know you're not perfect, but can testify to your character, your integrity, and your love. You know, when, when we check references for, for jobs, and I know many of you in your work, you've had to check references a hundred or a thousand times. And, and here's what we try to do. We try to find someone who supervised the person. We try to find someone who has been an equal with the person and someone who has been under the person. That's a pretty good group of people to find out what you're dealing with right there. Your goal and my goal in life should be this, that we're the kind of people that there are going to be some people that aren't going to like us, but that the consistent testimony of people who know us best say we're people of character, integrity, and love. And again, to match up against what the Word of God says, that's a pretty clear objective. Let me give you some scriptures. Test yourself against these. Test yourself. I gave you some of these a few weeks ago. Matthew 22, 36 through 40. Matthew 22, 36 through 40. That's Jesus giving the great commandments. Test yourself against Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Fruit of the Spirit, love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Test yourself against those. If you you look at those scriptures and you measure out, okay, you're doing well. How do, how do other people speak of you? Be mindful of that, but maybe ultimately be, be mindful of how does your life measure. If the Bible could scream out tonight and say how you were doing, how would it say you're doing? That's a pretty good thing. He says about Demetrius, even the truth speaks well of him. And here's our last thing this evening to be mindful of, and, and that's this. Focus on people, 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 people are number two in your world and my world. I want to give you two thoughts on this. And I think this this first one will make sense after we read the scripture. But when you're dealing with people, face-to-face is always best. Face-to-face is always best if it's possible. Verse 13 and 14, I have much to write you, but I don't want to do so with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face-to-face. Peace with you. The friends here send their greetings. Greet the friends there by name. Pen and ink, they use black ink like we have black ink. They wrote on papyrus or parchment. 
And John had written him 1 John, he had written him now 2 John and 3 John, and he ends 2 and 3 John by basically saying, I don't want to keep writing you, I want to come talk to you face to face. This is interesting, that face to face in our English is probably not strong enough, it, it, it literally means here mouth to mouth. No, this is not anything intimate, weird, or odd, it's just showing it's show, it is showing the, the intimate side of people face-to-face. A few weeks ago, Clayton and Josh and I were talking, and I don't know how it came up, but the, the, it came up about me having a heart attack and about them having to give me CPR. And both of them said that they would do compressions, but if there had to be a mouth-to-mouth element, that I would probably go on to see Jesus. And I was really upset about that for a moment until I thought about it. And I thought, if I woke up and one of them were giving me mouth-to-mouth, I might go ahead and see Jesus anyway at that point. So, you know, when I think of mouth-to-mouth, I think of CPR. But it's a neat thing John's saying here. John's saying, look, I'm trying to give you instructions. I'm trying to correct problems. I'm trying to rebuke people by paper. But I want to sit down with you face-to-face and have these discussions. Now, here, how does this apply to us? I think a lot of applications. Sometimes face-to-face is not always possible. And you, and you have to start communications by letters, emails, text, or whatever. Those can get you in trouble quickly, can't they? Especially when you're having serious conversations because you can't see what they're saying in their face. You can't read their voice. You you can't get the feel of their heart. And what I've seen, a lot of times what's in paper can seem harsh when that's not what they meant at all. I think 2,000 years ago, John knew this. The best form of communication when it's possible is face-to-face with people. Isn't it neat today? You can do face-to-face on a telephone or an iPad or a computer. Isn't that cool? Don't you know John and them wished 2,000 years ago he could have sat at Ephesus and, and done FaceTime and says, get diatrophies to the computer right now. I need to see his beady, greedy little eyes face to face. People are the most important thing after Christ. And so when you're dealing with people, especially tough times, face to face is always best. And, and let's close with this. Focus on people above everything but Jesus. Focus on people, on everything, above everything but Jesus. Verse 14 again. I hope to see you soon. We will talk face to face. Peace to you. The friends here send their greetings. I love this last part. Greet the friends there. Greet the friends there by name. Again, you see the intimacy here of John, who's called the apostle of love. Dale Carnegie, the, the, the Christian, or I think Dale Carnegie was a Christian, but he was a psychologist and a human interaction psychologist years ago. And he said the sweetest sound to anyone's ears is the sound of their name. Think about that for a moment. People like to be called by their name. Isn't it interesting here? He says, greet them by name. You know, you go to Starbucks. They don't give you a number. They write your name on your drink. They may be way misspelled, but, 
but they're going to call you by name. And a lot of places you go to now, they don't give you a number. They ask for your name. That's good psychology. That's personal. And John says, greet them by name. John, John says, I want to see you face to face. You see, Jesus is all about people. Don't, don't ever get lost in the Great Commission and think that's simply about nations and ethnic groups. That's about people. In Luke chapter 15, read it when you get home. He talks about a sheep and a coin and a person because he says the one matters to God. And if we want to do life well, you'll always be mindful of people. People as individuals, people with faces, people with names, and that you'll focus on that. How super important it is that we never, ever lose that after Jesus Christ, nothing in the world is more important than people. And people are individuals. Back in 2005, the, this church sent Cindy and I and Steve and Lori Leach to England. How many of you remember that? You were here. You remember that? Went to the Baptist World Alliance in England. What a cool trip. Steve and Cindy could not sleep on an airplane. How many of you can sleep on an airplane? I can sleep on an airplane, buddy. I can sleep on it. They couldn't. We left New York City at 11 o'clock at night, and they kicked me and talked till we got to England about 9 o'clock the next morning. That's my first remembrance of that. But a better memory is we got on a double-decker bus. Everybody has seen one. Aren't those cool? And so when we were in, in London, I had to ride on one of those. I wanted to ride on one of those. And I remember we were riding around town in one of those, and I'm thinking, Here's a, we're on a double-decker bus. Uh, Jack the Ripper killed people right up. Wow, this is unbelievable. This is really cool. And we, we were getting off the bus, and, and in their little British way, it was kind of a, a low step and a high ceiling, and it, it said, Mind your head. Mind your head. Now, what would we say in Louisiana? Duck. Right? Duck. They say, mind your head. I'll never forget that. Beware of your head or you're fixing to leave the bus with a big bruise on it is what they're saying. And I think what God was saying to us tonight in Third John is be mindful of who your patterns are, who you're following. Be mindful of behavior because behavior tells you what you're like and what other people are like. Be, be mindful of people and how you love them and how you focus on them. Because after Jesus, nothing else, nothing else really matters after, after Jesus but people. At least in priority, nothing comes close. This evening, if you're here and you're not a Christian, when we stand in a moment, we always want to give you the opportunity to give your life to Christ. Come and do that in just a moment. Maybe you're here and you'd like to join our church. We would love for you to. One way you can do that when we stand, you can come. You can join us this evening. Christian, maybe tonight as we walk through this list that there's some things the Holy Spirit is pointing out to you that need to be different, that you need to make some changes, that honestly you're not too mindful of. Get that right with God this evening. Let's stand, and as, as we sing, you respond to it. We'll be waiting on you.
inside. 